is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, host Brandon, but this time it is a Chelsea Youth uh, Cobham Academy update, especial, and we've got the man himself at Chelsea Youth, Phil. Join us, Phil. How is it going? It's going really well. I can't believe the new season's here. I was just talking beforehand. I don't think anything ever stops, really. You have a small break, you catch up on what went before and you start previewing the new season. Then suddenly here we are. The development squad are underway. The under scenes are about to get away. And it's like we never had a preseason at all. Right. No, I mean, it's it's Utah is, is long in the rearview mirror at this point. Um, you know, the the dev squad have played a game, but most importantly, I think the the number of signings and who's come in is really stolen the show. And so, anyways, with this time, our lovely listeners, we're gonna talk about that dev squad result, beating Wolves, smashing them into oblivion. Uh, we'll talk about Chuck Wameka. Hopefully I said that right. We'll let Phil uh, correct me later if I need to. Uh, Amari Hutchinson, Zach Sturge, and anyone else who might be coming in. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Gaga Slonina, who has been signed and loaned back to Chicago Fire in the MLS, but he will be here in January, or at least in London for a time being. We'll see what we think might happen to him. And then obviously we'll look ahead to the U18s kicking off next week, uh, their season, and we'll look at how kind of their preseason roundup went. um, And yeah, kicking it off with Arsenal. What a way to kick it off, Phil. I mean, no no better way to get the the U18s hyped. Yeah, Putting it lightly, the dev squad, um, as people will remember, were moments away from relegation at the end of last season. Staved it off with a very unlikely late fight back and quite clearly said never again because a very busy off-season saw a change of manager. Andy Myers has been replaced by Mark Robinson, formerly of Wimbledon. A few new faces have come in and they, they opened up the campaign with a resounding 7-1 win away to Wolves. Now, Wolves were newly promoted from the second tier of Premier League 2 this summer, but that doesn't necessarily mean what it means in senior football. For example, Wolves were FA Youth Cup semi-finalists last season, like Chelsea were, uh, a strong generation of under-18s moving up into uh, the under-21 league now. Um, and teams have come up and been very, very successful. Crystal Palace, for example, have established themselves as a PL2 Division One team quite well after being promoted a couple of years ago. So it wasn't going to be a guarantee that Chelsea were up against this new team that had been promoted uh, and were going to have their way with them. But they they blew them out of sight. 7-1 win, two goals for Harvey Vale, two goals for Dion Rankin, two goals for Jaden Wareham, Alfie Gilchrist going on the act as well. And it doesn't it wasn't a flattering scoreline to Chelsea either. They were very, very good. They were dominant. They could have had more goals. Wolves didn't really look like a team that had any answers to what this new look Chelsea team were able to do. So part of this dev squad reshuffle, obviously new management. Okay, great. New coaching staff. Um but also some new faces, right? Um, and you you say that Chelsea tend to skew younger uh, on this team than usual. I know, like we did see appearances from I think Lewis Baker. Uh, every now and then, I you know you get some appearances right at the end. Didn't uh, Shalaba and Sar play in the last? Just you know, kind of hedge their bets a little bit. But for the most part, um, these are maybe younger than normal. But you could tell me I'm wrong because we have gone from U23s to U21s this season. Yeah, you are right. It's they had, The Premier League two has changed back to an under-21 league after five or six years as an under-23 league. Uh, they've also, they've increased the number of overage players you can have from three to five to 
really <laughs> make that change ineffectual. But the majority of teams playing in PL2 have an average age of about 19. So what the Premier League have done with the age designation doesn't particularly matter. Chelsea do run young. They used to run younger than most, and it's probably about average now. There'll, there'll be times where they go a little bit younger, uh, particularly last season, Lewis Hall and Brody Hughes played up as first years pretty much the entire campaign. Uh, whether you see first years play up this year, I doubt it just because of the depth of players that are coming through, but there's enough under 18s to push on. Um, there'll be a little bit more experience at times from Chelsea. So when Murray Hutchinson played, he's not necessarily very old, but he was a big name signing who we'll talk about in a bit. They came in from Arsenal. Mbuyamba is a little bit older. He's 2021. 20, then you've got Mason Burstow, who's been around, played some football league for Charlton. So while they're still young, they've got a little bit more experience about them. Dylan Williams didn't play in this game, but he came in last season from Derby. He's had some senior experience. And that's one of the ways in which this team and this group and this age group is evolving, not just at Chelsea, but throughout the league. It's not just the linear progression of under 16s to under 18s to the under 21 league. It's this narrowed scope of Brexit regulations in the transfer market means that everybody is finding different ways to get stronger. And with that, you bring in people who have senior experience, maybe in the non-league game like Jaden Wareham did at Woking. And you bring that in and you give them the elite development platform for a couple of years to see where that can take you rather than just focusing on churning through the steps as is familiar. And the, the majority of players will still do that. But if you can accentuate it with a few new looks from here and there, that seems to be the way everyone's going. Yeah, I think uh, so t- focusing on the result, like you said, we went from, you know, min- uh, a result away from being relegated last season, stayed up. Uh, a lot of changes to go out and win so emphatically the first uh, match of the season statement, I think, to the rest of the league that a, it was a one off. Uh, Chelsea have real intentions. Um, I know you said Wolves didn't really put much of a team together, but surely there was a a ton of drive and desire from this team to kind of correct their poor image and reputation from last season and kind of who were the standouts amongst a seven goal or you know seven goals on the Chelsea side thriller I mean it can't be easy when you have multiple people with braces multiple brace assists like everyone was kind of feasting yeah it was absolutely outstanding and to your point about making a statement performance Charlie Webster maybe put it best after the game when he said this was a proper Chelsea performance this was how they want to play this is how they expect to play and this is what they expect to do and it, he ran the show from midfield. He's been given a lot of responsibility by Robinson in this formation. It's, it's still a 3-4-3 or 3-5-2, depending on who exactly lines up up front, uh, which is the way the academy prefer to play through most of their age groups. And each manager gets to add their own individual personal touches and flares and uh, adjustments based on the players they have available. But Webster coming along uh, is that sort of anchor point in midfield where everything will go through him. And he played really well. Harvey Vale scored two goals in the first half that were almost identical. The, the Wolves defenders, uh, a sloppy back pass, and Harvey took advantage with absolute clinical finishes. He, he picked it up, drove straight at the heart of the defence and, and found the bottom corner both times. Amari Hutchinson was outstanding. He's He floated around in this sort of hybrid attacking midfield role with the licence to come deep, to roam wide. He's very experienced at this level and was one of the best players in the league last year for Arsenal. So it's no surprise to see him doing exactly what he wants on the pitch, whether he goes on loan or not. He's still up in the air. There's rumours of a move to Reading maybe before the end of the window. But if he hangs around at PL2, he's going to just be laughably dominant. Dion Rankin, outstanding out on the right wing. 
scored twice just applying the finish at the far post, but had his way with the Wolves' left-hand side the entire night. Lewis Hall did very well at left wing-back on the other side as well, showing that when you play an attacking 3-4-3 and you have the wing-backs, as we've seen the first team level, you can be overwhelming in attacking situations with numerous overloads and interplay it's really hard to pick a standout performer. Jay Wareham came off the bench with half an hour to go, scored twice, looked menacing, looks like the top scorer that he was in preseason, looks like the team's top goal scorer from last year. There's depth throughout. Everybody started the season just flying out of the traps and it's really nice to be able to talk about this on a positive spin after spending the second half of last season talking about the fear of relegation and the disappointment of bad result after bad result it sure is uh and and like the tangent off of this result right is we've kind of talked about these players but there have been signings in the academy right and it was a conversation piece i think because you have to look at everything i mean chelsea getting new owners everything is needs to be assessed, right? Fresh eyes, fresh leadership, leadership style, fresh vision. And, you know, you, there's always someone who can make an argument for and against uh, a youth academy, especially one that spends as much as Chelsea does. It is now uh, a very certain fact, Phil, that Todd Bowley loves himself, a good academy team, uh, they have been aggressive in the transfer window. When you say Omari Hutchinson was one of the best players in the league and he has come to Chelsea Academy, who if you even compare apples to apples, had a very poor season, that shows intent and willingness to invest and obviously that there's still a ton of excitement and passion and momentum behind the project uh, that is going on at Cobham. Definitely. I think you can see it in the way that the women's team have recruited under Emma Hayes and Paul Green. You've seen the way that the first team have stepped up an aggressive recruitment campaign. Uh, with a little bit of chaos thrown in, it wouldn't be Chelsea if there wasn't chaos in the transfer market. Uh, and you've seen it with the academy and, and the way that Jim Fraser in particular has led uh, an aggressive recruitment drive there. Chelsea have never been shy to recruit the best players of their age group around Europe. And going back to the point about the Brexit regulations making that a lot harder, you now have to shop within England. You may pay a premium for it. There, there's no way that Hutchinson's coming to Chelsea without getting a handsome wage and a handsome fee. Carney Chukwemeka costing potentially up to 20 million maybe the highest paid teenager in the Premier League. You pay, you you get what you pay for if you go in and get the premium academy players to accentuate the high quality that you're developing yourselves. And that's what they seem to have done this summer. There's no If you looked at an internal list of Chelsea's highest rated players in the PL2, for example, Chuck Wemeka and Hutchinson would have been right up there with any of them. And it kind of sounds like Todd Bowley's just gone into Neil Bath and Jim Fraser and said, right, who do you want? And no restrictions on this, just the fantasy world. If you can get these players, who would you get? They say, let's go and get them. And and here we are. They're both Chelsea players. How much they actually play for the development squad this season would be a matter of balancing their minutes, their personal development, first team opportunities, loan moves in Hutchinson's case. But they're both extremely bright talents that Chelsea could at the very minimum have a strong return on investment on if they don't make it through to the first team, as we've seen with so many of the predecessors that have come through Cobham. But let's be optimistic. They could both be first teamers in less than two years. They could both be keep. Uh, they could probably both play a role in Tuchel's squad now, given the chance. I would say that. But the, the broader picture here is that Chelsea seem to be major players in getting the highest quality England youth internationals coming through the system in a way that maybe they haven't been over the last few years towards the end of the previous regime and maybe some of the financial restrictions that came with that. Okay, so let's let's 
really maybe dialing on Carney Chukwameka. Came from Aston Villa, like you said, upwards of twenty million. That's crazy. I mean, that's usually an established first team player, even in like today's markets, um, unless you're broke alona. Uh, but give us a player profile. Kind of where does he typically play? Um, I, I talked a little bit with Matt Law about it as a Villa fan. He's trying to take his Villa glasses off and say, I don't understand why he would go to Chelsea where he'll get fewer opportunities to play first-team football than Villa. It was rumored that they were going to sign him and immediately put him on loan. Then all of a sudden, he's hanging around the first team. Um, so, yeah, give us a, a quick player profile and then how you're kind of understanding where he'll maybe fit into the structure at Chelsea. I mean, he's a player I've been uh, a fan of for a long time, and... I think anyone who'd seen him play as a talent coming through at Villa would have been able to say the same thing. I did a a Twitter thread a couple of years ago about my favourite 11 players that I'd seen Chelsea play against under 18 level through that season. It wasn't necessarily these are the best, it's just the players that I caught in those matches. And he was was among that team. Um, He's a very versatile midfielder, central midfielder. You can play the 68, the 10, traditionally through a 4-3-3 formation or whatever you like. Um, there are some Loftus-Cheek tendencies to him in that very languid, easygoing, driving through midfield as if it looks it looks effortless to him. Very high technical quality. Um, the sort of play you want to trust to play as a proper central midfielder because he can do a little bit of everything. You don't want to typecast him as a 10 who only does his work in the final third. You don't want to limit him by having him as a, a six that doesn't push on. He's got a little bit of everything that the modern central midfielder has. And I think if if people watch the England under-19 team that won the European Championship then the summer, he was the standout player. Harvey Vale was the captain. Um, sorry, he played uh, left wing back. But Shukwameka was the, the influential player who made things happen, knitted defence into midfield, into attack. If you get him on the edge of the box, he's got the a preference for that that finesse shot where he looks to find the far corner uh, very productive with it finds himself in attacking situations and finds the back of the net uh, why he would come to Chelsea instead of stay at Villa and renew well, let's be honest there's a really really strong financial package on the on the table there you're a young player your career isn't guaranteed to you if somebody's offering the money you take it um, whether he has an opportunity to come through at Chelsea we'll see there's nothing wrong with being optimistic about it but as we've seen with a lot of players, Chelsea is one of the elite finishing schools in the country as well. Being a Chelsea Academy graduate, being a player who spent time in the Chelsea system and coming through, you get a stronger loan move from the network that Chelsea have built up if that's the route you're going to go down. You get the platform that Tino Livramento has had, that Mark Gerhi has had, that Ficoa Tomori has had, that Tammy Abraham has had, that Levi Colwell might now have a Brighton. You've seen that these players have gone on to achieve great things in a relatively little amount of time in the Premier League and for their country. And it's 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 going to have an influence on players that are outside of Chelsea, these international teammates of theirs. They're a high-profile club. A year playing with Tuchel's first team, in training with them every day, the occasional cup opportunity. October particularly is going to be a, a massive month to the club. The first team have got a ton of games, I think 12. The development squad have got 13, all packed in before the World Cup. So depending on what happens, there may be opportunities for him to play there. We don't know what he's been promised. But he's one of the most exciting players of his age group in the country. And you can see both why Chelsea would want him and why he would want to come to Chelsea. I love it. I mean, there's always the financial package, right? And, and you know, right or wrong, that's definitely something that, uh, um, you know, is an incentive, which I think, to your point, we all would take. 
Uh, love to hear the tactile flexibility. Love to hear the high potential. Like I said, it's it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I look at our midfield and just find it to be quite weak personally. Um, the fact that we're not doing any reinforcements in the first team in that spot concerns me, especially if, uh, you know, even Ethan Amthadu wants out for more minutes ahead of the World Cup. Um, I think we heard a couple other people were thinking about that as well. You know, can also be looking at the fact that Jorginho and Kante are in the last year of their contracts and nothing's guaranteed in that regard. So there may yes. be an opportunity for him to to jump one or two spots up next summer. But Billy's having, out. having Billy, Billy may be out. Ampadu looks like he's on his way out, but hasn't really been trusted in central midfield either. Ruben seems to be more of a an, one of the two tens or a right wing back these days. The, the central midfield is this season's defence. That yeah. we had last summer. Last summer we we faced Rudiger and Christensen and as Pilaqueta all being out of contract and sold Zuma and sold Tamori and sold Gurhi. This summer it's the central midfield that's sort of what are we going to do here? Who's going to come in? Is Frankie Dion going to come in? If he does, what sort of player profile does he have? Is he more of a Kovacic? I think so. Do you really need that when Kovacic is the one you've actually got tied down? Chuck Wemeka brings you something different. And maybe he sees that opportunity to train under Tuchel to dip his toes in the water, show what he's got and think, right, it's time next year. There could be two and a half thousand minutes for me. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, and yeah. And like I said, it sounds like they might even rip up Barkley's contract just to, just to be done with it. And and like you said, to that point, there's a lot of potential opportunity there. Uh, Jorginho is, you know, in Conte, they're not spring chickens anymore. You know, they're, they're going to need rotations and breaks. And that is definitely a place in the team where we need it, even though Mount provides some flexibility being able to drop in. Um, all right, Amari Hutchinson. Uh, you had me at Arsenal, Phil. I'm not going to lie. But again, kind of give us a player profile. You, you're, you're saying he's probably going to look to to head out on loan. Is he too good kind of for the dev squad? Do you feel like he's ready for grown men's football which is the terrible way to kind of explain why someone goes out on loan and maybe the championship or lower premier league yeah he's too good for pl2 right now although i wouldn't be averse to seeing him hang around in pl2 just to see how much fun we could all have watching him in blue rather than arsenal red he's a left foot attacking midfielder small slight of stature unbelievably creative and agile impeccable balance and it's not just that he's a small left-footed player who can dribble he can pass he's got great vision great intelligence great play off the ball he was involved with Arsenal's first team for a dozen games last season didn't get off the bench in any of them and that might have been part of the reason why he looked to move on they've also brought in Marquinhos from Brazil and they were looking they brought in Fabio Vieira they've been looking at other forward options and maybe thought well hold on where do I fit into all of this opportunity to come to Chelsea arises and the talk has been that he's linked uh, to Reading but Reading have got some financial problems that need they need to get rid of players off their wage bill because they've got some restrictions there before they can bring him in they're expected to be one of the poorer teams in the championship this season with all due respect to them uh, and fight against relegation which isn't necessarily the sort of low move you'd like for a, a creative player who at this stage of his career going into a fairly physical league would need the support of some strong teammates around him, no matter how good he is as an individual player. So maybe Chelsea have seen how Reading have started the season. Maybe he's advised to think, let's wait it out a bit and see if any other opportunities arise. I don't know. But for the time being, he looked sharp in pre-season as he acclimatised to his new club. And then this game against Wolves, he he was pretty much untouchable and did whatever he wanted. Uh, and... Yeah, much like Chuck Wemeka, he's just one of the better players of his age group 
a really talented 2003 age group that England have produced that also includes at the very, very top of it, Jude Bellingham. And now that he plays for Germany, Jamal Musiala, who came through at Chelsea, of course. Uh, an unbelievable year for this country's academy produce. Um, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. I think the discussions will go on about finding a right loan move for him. But if he sticks with Chelsea then they're going to be right up there with anyone else in PL2. He scored twice against Chelsea for Arsenal last season in um, two different competitions, the PL2 and the EFL Trophy, and both goals are outstanding as well. So if nothing else, he's one fewer player that's going to torment us when we come up against Arsenal. Again, double down on the hype train. I am uh, very excited. All right, it's Editor Jake because... Mr. Brandon Busby is so excited about Chuckle America they didn't even throw to the advertisement break. Come on, we gotta have some ads. Our beautiful sponsors keep this show going. So thank you to them. And we'll see you right after the break for more Chelsea Youth. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and fat and now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables it's just hard to eat that many servings a day so uh, i started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient i'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system so what is this stuff well with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things again i do it it's easy it's fast it's quick uh throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work drink it 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 goes down quickly uh and like i said you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily uh, but hey don't listen to me athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews it's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. The next one on the list is Zach Sturge. Um, it, I guess we'll start with there, then we'll kind of open the door of, of what else might happen, which is always a fun game to play. So what's up yeah. with Zach? So Sturge was initially linked with a move to Chelsea back at the end of the January transfer window. He's a left-back England under-18s. Uh, spent the last three years at Brighton after coming out of grassroots football um, to high acclaim. Chelsea have had noted problems uh, left-to-back or left-wing-back in the development squad for a couple of years. They lost a few players uh, to loan moves or to, to other clubs uh, and went through a myriad of options, including Harvey Vale and Lewis Hall playing out of position, doing a fairly credible job, but neither are, are properly natural doing there. Dylan Williams came in, did very, very well, and then they finally got Serge over the line. It was announced last week. I think there was a Premier League hold-up. The deal's been done for some time, as I understand it. But anyway, he'll come in and he'll add another option to the left side, which the chain reaction of that means that you can do a few more things with Lewis Hall, for example. You can do a few more things with Harvey Vale if he's sticking around in the development squad. You don't have to use them out of position. Um, and putting square pegs in square holes 
and finding the right balance of left and right footed players throughout the team. Both these players, um, Dylan Williams, for example, played left centre back in the three in preseason. So did Lewis Hall. I think Sturge's physical profile suggests he could do similar. And then you start to be able to have different options to how you move players around the team. He's another high quality player, another England youth international that they've taken the option to bring in. There was competition from Bundesliga clubs. So it's uh, it's, it's it's under the radar compared to Chuck Wemeka and Hutchinson because he's a defender who hasn't reached the high levels of acclaim and wasn't on the verge of Brighton's first team per se. But I think he's a player that people will like when they get to see him. I mean, that's great to hear. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of movement on the left side, shuffling from first team all the way down, Ian Matson on loan. Um, sounds like Palmieri's going to move out. Alonso's going to be out. Malang Sars out. Sounds like on a permanent. So that that's great to hear. And especially when you tell me that you've got England youth team internationals coming in, like that is wildly exciting for, for this team and some things like that, because we also want to take on the UEFA youth, uh, championship as well, which we haven't, um, been able to do. Uh, for a while. So uh, the ambitions go far beyond just the shores of England, which I think is is really important. Um, and then the next thing is any other incomings that you think might happen? It sounds like before the, beforehand, before we hit record, you were very bullish that there's definitely stuff in the works. You think that uh, the academy isn't done either, huh? I don't think they're done at all. I think that there's been talk that they want uh, a high caliber young center back for the development squad that's been going on for a while. Whether that coincides with a departure for Xavier Umbiamba, we'll wait and see. There's talk that Umbiamba wants out or his agents have wanted out because he wanted to go on loan last January and they kept him around and maybe he's flattered to deceive a little bit and as a slightly older development player you can maybe move him on if you're able to get a young centre half in. Uh, the story this week from Adam Newson of Football London was that they're interested in Peterborough's Ronnie Edwards who is another one of the England under-19s that were champions in the summer. Uh, an easy scouting gig perhaps but he's been uh a, a favourite of many a Cat One Premier League Academy scouting uh, recruitment team over the last couple of years. He's had some first team experience at Peterborough and he'd be another one that you might bring in like Burstow who, and like Williams who's had a taste of senior experience but if you get hold of them they put them into the development squad for a year in the elite training environment and see how much you can bring them on. I think they'd like to do that. I think there's there's always the option of what else can you do? Who else can you bring in? And then who? what moves can you make that allow you to let somebody out on loan? So if Harvey Vale goes on loan and Hutchinson goes on loan, you lose two high-caliber left-footed attacking midfielders slash forwards. Is there somewhere in the market that you can bring in to keep the high level of the team while letting those high-level ta- high talents go on to the next level, stage of their careers? There's... I wouldn't rule anything out this summer, not based on what we've seen anyway and not the way that I know the academy wants to recruit. Um, so let's just say, watch this space. All right. Well, we'll be excited. I think you and I are going to reconnect again next week as well and uh, really hit the season hard uh, at the beginning as, as everything kind of unfolds. I think we've done the same. We had Matt Law three weeks in a row just because of how There's things so much going are on. going. Honestly, uh, what a fun time to be hanging out as a Chelsea fan. Uh, then last and definitely not least, maybe most important as a goalkeeper, Gago Slunina, MLS goalkeeper from the Chicago Fire, uh, young American goalkeeper, has signed with Chelsea, and he's going to be returning 
immediately to Chicago Fire, uh, as we already know, to finish out the MLS season uh, here. And then he'll be reporting for duty around January after he's had a little bit of break after the season. Um, thoughts? What do you what do you think about Gaga Slonini coming in? We have a have a bit of a a heavy roster of goalkeepers at the moment. So I'm not really sure where he's going to fit in. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. In terms of him as a player, I'm not a particular expert, but if you've been recommended by Petacek and Christoph Lollishan before they left the club, then you've got something about you. If you are able to hold down a starting gig in a respectable quality league as a very young teenager, as a young teenage goalkeeper, this doesn't happen very much anywhere. You've got to have something about you. If you've got the United States and Poland vying for your international allegiance, you've got something about you. So if you've got Real Madrid trying to sign you at Chelsea's expense, there's something about you. So I think there's there's every reason to have pursued this deal, even in Czech and Lodoshan's absence. And Chelsea were like, yeah, sure, right. High quality, high potential goalkeeper. We don't know what the future holds. Three years ago, four years ago, they might have thought that Kepa Aretha Balago was going to be their goalkeeper of the next decade. We know how that's worked out. And now their futures are sort of inextricably tied. If Kepa does find a move this transfer window, then you can run with Bettinelli as the backup and Eddie Beach or Ted Sharman Lowe as your third choice until Slonina comes and maybe he serves as the backup for the first half, the second half of the season, acclimatize yourself to English football, to European football, to the change of lifestyle, the change of culture, and then see what happens next season. Maybe a higher caliber loan move somewhere in Europe. Uh, especially considering that once the MLS season finishes, he would have been in downtime and off season anyway. It's it's having that sort of January to May time as a backup isn't necessarily as much of a, I don't like to say a waste of time, but you want players to be playing. He would have been down there and he's come off for full season. So you get to learn during what a time he wouldn't have already been playing. And I think that he's already had enough experience that if worst came to worst and Mendy was unavailable for a while, I think you could put Slonina in and be confident that he would give you a higher floor than one of the academy goalkeepers with no disrespect to them because he's had that MLS experience. So I think, what was the fee? 12 million, uh, up to 12 million, maybe. It's a fairly low fee for uh, a high-caliber goalkeeping prospect. I think it's another sign that Bowley and the new ownership group are prepared to invest in expanding the developmental prospect system from outside to accentuate the high quality that's coming in already to diversify your options and to and to raise the standards so yeah I'm, I'm intrigued as to what Chelsea do with him and I think it is tied to what happens to Kepa well look as we all know Chelsea is a very public policy one American out one American in so Miazga out you had to replace him <laughs> uh and Slonina's in because Bully loves some more American blues. Obviously, I kid. Uh, nationality does not drive our transfer strategy. But um, Slonin is going to want to play. You would assume he had some assurances from Tuchel and Bully and, and Bath and whoever is you know in amongst. They had to have pitched him on a two-year, three-year plan, right? Because he's going to want to be in line for the 2026 World Cup. That's where he's thinking of where he wants to be. Matt Turner, you know, is a very well-established. 
uh, MLS goalkeeper, uh, even pushing Zach Steffen to be the number one. Zach's had uh, not a great run in the last year or so, and now Turner is pushing to be the number one. And now he's signed for Arsenal, who pushed out Burnt Leno. Um, so that just kind of goes to show you, I think goalkeepers are probably one of the few positions that can easily translate from the MLS to the Premier League. One, there's a shit ton of crossing in the MLS. Two, you're just saving the damn ball, right? Um, it, it, the the flow and the play of MLS is is, is high turnover, so there's a, a, an unbelievable amount of transition. Um, but we are seeing more MLS teams look to play out of the back and build out of the back, so playing with your feet is super important um, with these, these players. So I think that, uh, like I said, one of the few positions we've seen really be able to translate, and I would say MLS to Europe, we don't even need to say England in the Premier League, has been goalkeeper. Um, and part of it is because it's a simplified position. Absolutely. There's, there's been a rich history of American goalies in the Premier League. Casey as well. You can go Keller. Casey Keller, Tim Howard, Brad Friedel, Marcus Hahnemann. I'm not going to say Brad Guzan. shout out. Yes. I'm not going to say Brad Guzan as well because he didn't do well. But in general, there have <laughs> been a, a, a fairly strong lineage of American goalkeepers in the Premier League. And it would be very nice if Slonina was going to be one of those. He may go to the World Cup in November. He might be the third third choice on the US roster. But that would be a tremendous experience for him at the end of his MLS season before coming into Chelsea uh, and just continuing to enrich his development by by playing at the highest levels. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, all the other goalkeepers kind of have their their deals, you know, subtle as far as loans and things like that. We know Baxter's out. Uh, Jamie Cummings is out on loan. Um, and then obviously Eddie Beach just coming in, Teddy Sherman low. Uh, Ted Kurd, he's at the younger team. Yeah, Prince Adagoke is at Welling. Yeah, uh, Sammy Clemson is still around. Uh, Ethan Wade is at Woking. The other American, well, dual there's, national. There's a lot of goalkeepers around, but yes. Baxter, for example, has uh, he's at Hull again, who've got an option to buy a very reasonably priced one if reports are correct. Uh, he'll be 24 at the season's end. So, as you maybe wave goodbye to a couple of your graduating development prospects like Baxter, like coming, I imagine might have a, a series of suitors if he has another really strong year in League One. I'm not saying it's going to be the same thing, but Southampton just paid 16 million for Gavin Bazunu, who played at the same level last season. Yes, he has some international experience as Ireland's number one, and Jamie doesn't have the same opportunity because he's English. But if you're a really good goalkeeper at that standard, it just takes one team to say, yeah, we really like you. Here's some money. Yeah, And if it, we, we all know that the pathway for young players, particularly at Chelsea, is hard enough. But if you're a goalkeeper, there's only one spot for you. Yeah. So I don't think you can ever have too many options in your developmental pipeline, uh, particularly in goal, because it's, it's wildly unpredictable as to who comes through at what age and when opportunities are there for you to step in. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I like it. All right. Um, Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the U18s. Um, their preseason is wrapped up. Uh, their new season starts Saturday away to Arsenal, like we talked about. But if we just kind of focus on how's the last eh, six weeks been for them, maybe four weeks, I think that would be uh, a good kind of preamble to uh, their season kicking off. Yeah, they've been really bright. They started the preseason with a, a training camp in La Manga in Spain. And then they came back and they beat Bournemouth's under 18 3-0 and they beat Coventry's 7-0. Then they went off to Germany for a mini tournament with an 18 tournament. Um, each match was two halves of 25 minutes, played over three days. It was more for the 
younger players in the group. It was a 2006-born tournament. Chelsea had a couple of 2007s with them, if you really want to feel old. So it was the majority of the first-year scholars, not all of them, because a couple of them are in the older side who were born in the September to December part of 2005. Uh, they won that tournament at Canter. They beat Bayern Munich. They beat Maccabi Tel Aviv. They beat Cracovia. They beat Bologna. They won it handsomely. They they, they dominated everybody. Tyreek George is one of the new first-year scholars, uh, a really nice balanced, creative attacking midfielder who can play in a lot of positions. He was player of the tournament. Frankie Runham, who was one of the 2007s, who's an under-16 this year, was for the top goal scorer. He also scored against Coventry. So while we're focusing on 16 new first years, plus the 10 second years from last year in a really big under-18 squad, there's a, a few boys coming up from the under-16s who will be scholars next year that are already making an impact. And it all feeds into a really positive unbeaten preseason. They finished off uh, after that Germany tour with a three-all draw up at Leeds. So everything's now geared towards the season opener this Saturday, the 13th, uh, away to Arsenal. They started the season against Arsenal a couple of years ago as well. It was a 2-1 win. Armando Broja scored in that game and, and look where he is now. Uh, what, three years later, I think it was. So these boys will go into that knowing that they might not be that far away from making an impact, if not at Chelsea, then somewhere. The opportunities to accelerate from under-18 football are unlike anything else. And there's a lot of talent in this age group. They they won the under-18 Premier League Cup last year. They were Youth Cup semi-finalists. The under-16s that have come up won a couple of trophies themselves last year. They've got some silverware from pre-season. So let's hope for a similar hit the ground running like the development squad did because uh, winning 7-1 at Arsenal would be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Chelsea, it's, you know, the men's team, uh, home to Spurs as well. So uh, plenty of rivalry going on this weekend, which is exciting. You know, it, it levels up with everything. Um, the the 18s had, they just missed out last season, right? They're what, like top four in the in the South region. Um, they were involved in everything for a long time. And then right. the schedule and everything else, I wouldn't say conspired against them, but they were trying to keep a lot of plates spinning at the same time, running in the league and the youth cup and the under 18 cup and various absences and the league was the one that fell apart. They won the under 18 league cup. That was really nice. Get some silverware in the trophy cabinet. The, the youth cup was a big disappointment. They were five minutes away from a final that I think they'd have won against Manchester United. So uh, let's go attack it again. Right. So high spirits, high optimism, that roster is reloaded, ready to rock. We're probably going to see a shit ton more goals, uh, maybe a little bit tidier defense, but I mean, they're much more of a rock and roll and kind of, kind of team at that age and at that level yeah so i said it uh, on twitter after the seven one win for the development squad the that was the first time in maybe a decade that they'd scored six plus and it was the first time in 30 years that they scored seven away from home whereas the under 18s will score more freely they've they've routinely scored five six seven over the years they they had a 12-2 win eight years ago they had a 13-0 win over brighton at one point so the under-18 league, yeah, there's generally more goals. And this team is built to score as well. They've got so much attacking firepower. They've got the versatility to play wing-backs. They play four at the back in pre-season. They've got good centre-halves. The 16 first-year scholars that are coming is basically a full squad of players that you can do a lot with. A few of them have been away with England this week. Josh Achenpong and Michael Golding. Uh, and Keanu Dyer, who's another one of these under 16s that's already on the way up. So they've they've had a really busy summer. They they should be ready to go. All right. I couldn't tell if you cut out or if that was the end. So we're gonna roll with that one. Um, anyways, I, I think we're good. I don't want to do too many spoilers, Phil, right? Because we do have another one coming up next week. Um, we do have a lot more as far as results-based content they're gonna be coming. 
But I am just, uh, you know, it's it's the optimism that kills you. But I am so hyped. I think I've texted you the word hyped in all caps three to four times over the summer as with the signings coming in with the uh, the first result against Wolves. Kind of just the way that, like, it seems like, not the academy, because the academy's always had a ton of energy behind it, but I think, like, the dev squad specifically and just the commitment to fix the trajectory that that team was on last season mm-hmm. is the reinvigoration has been phenomenal. The energy is up there. Uh, Bully has made no mistake that, uh, you know, eights to full team pros, men's, women's, youth, like, they are committed to winning at every single level, and um, and and he's backed it. Right. He got that line of credit and immediately started spending uh, the youth team. Obviously, the women's got the first signing. Then the academy started getting the signings Then the men's team. And it's just been busy, busy, busy. His restaurant bills have to be crazy <laughs> after all these these business dinners. Wonderful he's been meal. On. Great food. Love um, it. There's nothing quite like the optimism of a new season any level at any club in any league because the possibilities are there for you to dream what happened last season doesn't matter anymore you just focus on the future and you combine that with a new ownership group that's prepared to back the various departments in the club and you combine that again with an academy that has an abundance of talent and a strong track record of success on and off the pitch and developing players and of course, you're going to be hyped. It's it's such an exciting time for the club, such an exciting time for the academy, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it this season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, th- Phil, thanks for signing up to hang out with us for another season. Uh, I think this one will have a lot more ups than downs. Uh, hopefully, no breaks in season, no kind of crazy things. Um, but we'll talk more about how the World Cup disruption and things affect everything as we get closer to it. That is a long ways off. But anyways, that's going to wrap us up. Make sure you follow Phil at Chelsea Youth if you're not already. He has a ton of great, great banter as well as analysis, uh, always covering everything going on in the youth team. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.